there is hockey And then lots of pucks to be flung Chris Baker is always watching And in the bunker he's having fun Oh no, we're gonna skate down to Prospect Avenue Get info you require Oh, we're gonna skate down to Prospect Avenue Your hockey news supplier All right, I think we're good to go. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the world-famous Prospect Avenue podcast. I'm your host, Chris Baker, here in the bunker in lovely Hamburg, New York. Date of recording, Friday afternoon, January 19th, 2024. It's been a little bit since we were last together. Thought I'd take an opportunity here on this Friday afternoon to get us caught up on the latest and greatest happenings in the world of the Sabres prospects, both here in North America as well as some news and notes from across the pond over in Europe. Probably a shorter than normal podcast today. Um, have a place that I need to be here in a little bit, but I wanted to get this done before going to do that. And we're just going to jump right in. But before I get to the agenda for today, if you could please, for those watching on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. For those listening audio only on Apple or Spotify, if you could please follow the podcast, leave a five-star review. Helps get more eyes and ears engaged with what I'm trying to do here, both with Prospect Avenue as well as the Baker Fairburn Hockey Show that I do each week with the Athletics' Matthew Fairburn talking Sabres and some NHL happenings. But really appreciate all of the support that we've garnered to date. Looking forward to keeping this train rolling. So with that said, I want to jump right in to this week's Sabres Prospects agenda. And going to start with a prospect that I haven't talked about a ton this season, but is quietly having a really good year and has also been on a, an interesting journey over the past few seasons, and that's 2020 fifth-round pick Matteo Costantini. So Costantini, a... St. Catharines native, played his youth hockey in the Niagara region of Ontario, came over and did a couple 16U seasons with the Buffalo Junior Sabres, and that's where Kevin Adams and Jeremiah Crow started really getting familiar with Costantini as a player and getting familiar with his character. Also did a season in 2019-2020, had a really good year um, as an offensive producer especially with the Junior Sabres OJHL entry and led to him being drafted in the fifth round of 2020. This was a player that was supposed to go out and play with the Penticton Vs of the BCHL that first post-draft year. Reported out there, took part in practices and some exhibition, you know, scrimmages, local scrimmages with some nearby teams, but COVID complications canceled that season and he was transferred to the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Costantini, again, previously was widely known as an offensive commodity. He gets to the USHL, and that's when you started to see him really round out the two-way part of his game, taking on more defensive responsibilities. Didn't put up a ton of points, but really proved himself as a valuable middle-of-the-lineup player in the USHL, and that provided a nice foundation for him to enter the NCHC in his first year of his commitment to the University of North Dakota. 
had a really good year with North Dakota as a freshman. And then last season, his second year as a sophomore, just kind of had a hard time getting in the lineup regularly, getting regular playing time. And that saw um, Costantini go into the transfer portal where he ended up this season with Western Michigan. Now, it's been a really good season, like I said, for Costantini. The reason that I wanted to talk about him this week is he's quietly put together a 10-game point streak going back to November 24th. So his last 10 games, Costantini has produced at least one point, picked up two goals and 11 assists in that span, and really as a result has kind of vaulted his way up the Sabres prospects points per game leaderboard. And he should be really proud of what he's doing there. It's been, like I said, a very interesting past couple of years. Seems to have found himself a nice home here to finish out his collegiate playing career. And he's up to 19 points through his first 20 games of the season. Not included in that 10-game point streak was a hat trick that Costantini scored in an exhibition contest back on December 30th against U-Sports opponent Western Ontario. So for those watching on YouTube right now, that's the highlight pack that I'm talking over are the three goals that he scored in that exhibition. So two plus 11 in his last 10 regular season contest, had a hat trick in that exhibition. He's definitely producing some offense here while maintaining that, that two-way look to his game. I've always appreciated the way he gets up and down the ice. Um, chipping pucks, you know, he's got good hockey sense. Um, gets pucks deep, throws area passes, but he's also a crafty playmaker, makes really good tape-to-tape looks as well. But he's been on that line this season with another fellow transfer into the Broncos program. That's Sam Colangelo, um, also a 2020 draft pick. He of the Anaheim Ducks system. Colangelo was 36th overall. In that 2020 draft, played a couple seasons at Northeastern, and then he came into Western Michigan this year, and he's teamed up with Costantini to form a very uh, dynamic, productive, and hard to play against second line for the Broncos. So good on Costantini to get it going. Uh, We'll see what he can do here down the stretch in the second half of the season. But it's a nice little transfer portal success story that we're seeing here. And so, you know, he's been a vital part. That line really has been a vital part to the Broncos, you know, hovering around the top 10 in the collegiate rankings all season long. They're presently the number 11 team in the country, currently in third place in the NCHC. And they have a big conference set this weekend against Minnesota Duluth. So we'll see if Constantini can extend that point streak to 11 and maybe 12 games after this weekend. And we'll have more to talk about with him moving forward. So we're going to do a hard shift here as we keep this agenda moving and wanted to um, follow up on some of the players that played in the 2024 World Junior Championship, two of which are going through some positional changes right now. So we'll start with Yuri Kulik. We've seen him the past two World Juniors play wing, started his AHL career in 2022-23 as a winger. Now, if you go back last season, played wing goes to the world junior championship, comes back. Um, took him a couple games to find his footing. Brandon Byro gets hurt. Kulik moves to center and he's been playing center pretty much ever since for like the last calendar year, I'd say at the AHL level. Now 
that February timeframe last year, like I mentioned last episode of this podcast on the World Junior Championship debrief, it was really February one and on when he really caught fire and just took off like a rocket scoring a ton of goals for the Amherst. He comes back this year from the World Juniors. And, you know, with Tyson Jost now being down there on the farm, that's kind of given Seth Eppert an opportunity to reassess and retool his offensive lines. And Kulik now, three games back with the Amherst after the World Juniors, he's playing wing, still on a line with Isak Rosane, where he's been playing all year. He's had, he's been kind of stapled to Rosane pretty much all season. But, uh, he's back on wing now, at least for these first three games coming off the World Juniors. He's picked up two assists in those first three games. And what's interesting is, you know, you're kind of hoping for history to repeat itself, right? Where he can kind of catch fire and just rip off a bunch of goals like he really has been to start the season. You want to see that goal scoring production kind of stay where it's been all season long. If you go back to Kulik's last game with the Amherst before leaving for the World Juniors, he didn't score a goal on that last one. He doesn't have a goal in his first three games back. So now for the first time this season, he's gone four straight games without scoring a goal for the Amherst. The last time in the AHL level that he went uh, at least four games without a goal was about a year ago. There was a period last season from January 18th through the 28th where he didn't catch a goal. Um, so yeah, he's on this four-game goalless streak right now. It's kind of interesting. I'm not necessarily going to say it's, it goes into him moving positions by any means, but I wanted to call out really that um, you know they're waiting for the goals to come back, and if he does resume that production, it's going to be as a winger. Another positional change of note involves Matthew Savoy. So Savoy, who had been playing wing in the WHL with Wenatchee before the World Junior Championship, he uh, was traded to Moose Jaw, like I mentioned at the last uh, episode here. And he's played a couple games now with the Warriors, and he's playing as a centerman. So he's back to his natural position. You know, he can go up and down the wing, certainly. Most guys can. But uh, really effective as a centerman. And he's had some really nice games to start his stint with the Warriors. Had two goals and three assists and six shots on goal in his first contest. I want to say he won 80% of his draws in his Moose Jaw debut. And then he came out and picked up another goal on Wednesday, I believe it was. So now he has three goals and three assists in his first two games with Moose Jaw again playing as a centerman. So that brings Savoy's WHL season line through 13 games up to 14 goals and 16 assists. He leads the Western Hockey League with 2.31 points per game. Seeing how Moose Jaw's roster is constructed, I would expect Savoy to stick there at center for the long term, um, which will help him. You know, he'll be more defensively responsible. He really adds a ton of speed into the middle of the ice there for Moose Jaw. It's, it's really clear what he's bringing to them. Uh, you know, he just looks fast regardless of what team he's playing on. He looks very fast versus that level of competition at the WHL level. But regardless, nice to see him get off to a nice start. He took a little bit of a break. He took his time getting everything settled with the move from Wenatchee back east to Moose Jaw. So good to see him uh, hit the ground running after that weekish layoff. So uh, staying on the theme of players that played in the World Junior Championship, um, 
I'm going to throw some voice highlights up here real quick. It's a quick package here while I transfer into talking about Noah Ostland. So Ostland has come back from his showing with Team Sweden at the World Juniors where he manned their top line, their number one power play unit, was one of their better offensive producers at that tournament. Um, he's he's come back and he's done really well here as a third-line centerman for Vekwa in the Swedish Hockey League. So he has points in all three games since returning. Uh, it's a goal and four assists. And I'll throw Oslin's goal up here for those watching on YouTube. We'll do that right now. So um, Oslin has a goal, four assists, points in all three games since returning from the World Juniors. He's played uh, just under, like really just under 16 minutes, 1550s uh, in his three games back. But he's looking pretty good. And if you take into account the assists that he had in his last game prior to leaving to join Team Sweden, he's now on a season-long four-game point streak for the Lakers in SHL action. So that's good to see. The idea was this season that, you know, Oslin could maybe get up around 0.7.75 points per game. He's not quite there yet, but now, you know, hopefully bringing some confidence back, getting some good matchups there in that third line role for Bequa, maybe that leads to more offensive production. We saw him earlier in the season in October have a three-game goal streak. So we know that he can do it. We're seeing it now with five points in his last three games. And I think the Sabres are really hoping for that production to continue to ramp up as he finishes out his European career before coming over to Rochester next season. His Swedish teammate, Anton Wahlberg, not scoring any points just yet in his return to Malmo, but it certainly isn't due to a lack of workload. So Malmo, last week, they had a bunch of guys out for injury. They were missing a key forward due to suspension. That was Lori Payaniemi, who has since has come back to the lineup. But they were without six forwards last week. I think it was five injury, one suspension. And that put Wahlberg up top on the top line for the last two games. Major opportunity for him. And he went out and played in a career-high 25 minutes and 31 seconds in a 3-0 loss to Airbro. Huge minutes for a still 18-year-old kid playing in Sweden's highest professional league. Getting the opportunities. I think he had three shots on goal in that game. Walbert looks really good at that level. Looks really comfortable. Even when the points are coming, he's making an impact. And um, just really like the look of his game as kind of that power and skill and size blend. He's got a really interesting look to him. Um, and not a bad skater. Like I said, uh, he, he can get around really well. So points will come for him as he goes. Um, Malmo's going to need him. You know, they got Payanemi back on... Thursday. And I think it was 1850 that Wahlberg went. So again, it wasn't quite 25 and a half minutes that he got in that, that one game I was describing, but still a pretty big uh, workload for an 18 year old kid. And look, they're going to need the points to come. Um, Malmo got off to a pretty good start. They were right in around the middle of the SHL pack through the first month and a half or so of the season. Then they just started dropping games left and right. So they're going to have to claw their way back up and uh, avoid being in that relegation round. It was that relegation round last year where Wahlberg really played a big role as a 17-year-old and really put himself on the map as a potential late first round or where he was drafted in early in the second round. So I like where his game's going. Wahlberg's teammate in Malmo, uh, Nan 
world junior participant, but this is William von Barnacal that I want to talk about real quick. Um, he also received a similar lift in ice time. So he had 1751 and then he got bumped up to 20 minutes and 26 seconds in his last two games, well above his season average of 13 minutes and 50 seconds all early in the season was putting up some points by virtue of being up on Malmo's top line with Kukinen and Payaniemi. Since moving him off that line, he's kind of settled back into that two-way role. It's like a checking line centerman. He's he's in that third line, fourth line slot right now where he's been for the past few weeks. And as a result of the reduced role, he has a point in just one of his last 22 games. He's gone without a point in his last 10. So again, you know, they're going to want to get some production out of Wahlberg. And if they can get some secondary production out of Von Barnacow, uh, it'll certainly help keep them out of trouble and avoid battling uh, to stay in the SHL like they had to do last season. Lastly, we should probably discuss Lena Shodin, another player, late round pick that we haven't talked about a ton this season. But um, I had mentioned after Christmas that he started scoring some goals. And I was looking into his numbers, especially his time on ice numbers throughout the season. So Shodin's picked up three goals in his last nine games. And in September, October, and November, so to start the season, this is his first 22 games where he had zero goals. He only went above 10 minutes time on ice in six of those first 22 games of the season. So again, it was, you know, limited, limited workload next to nothing in terms of goal production calendar flips into December and now he's eclipsed 10 minutes time on ice in 12 straight games. I don't think it's any coincidence that he's picked up three goals and two assists in that stretch, more opportunity to play more opportunity to produce points. So Dean's a player that just from the eye test perspective looks good. He's responsible. He competes, knows his way around the defensive zone for sure. He's got a nice little offensive um, instinct, some knack to him, but hasn't led to production. And if you recall in the European preview earlier this season, we put Shodin in that kind of never say never bucket where, um, you know, guys can pop and get themselves back on the map in that contract consideration discussion. But generally you got to see some offensive production. So now, with those three goals in his last nine games and a couple of assists along the way, the idea is, you know, Roglin needs more production from him. Hopefully he can give it to him. And I think that's what the Sabres want to see. I'm certain that they like him as a player, but the confidence to get a guy like that, a contract, if he indeed wants to pursue a North American career, it's going to have to come with some offensive production here down the stretch. So really eager to see what Linus Shodin could do the rest of the way. One last note from Sweden uh, on right-handed defenseman Albert Lakassen. Lakassen playing this season in Hockey Elsvenskan, the second division for Karl Skuga. He got dinged up in practice back on December 28th and just this week resumed some on-ice work. Now, as I'm recording this, Karl Skuga is probably finishing up their game today. Lakassen's not in the lineup presently, but the idea is that he should draw back in next week. Lacoste has been, I'd say the four five D this year for Carl Skuga, um, get some power play time, three goals, nine assists thus far this season, another player in that never say never bucket, but you has got to start seeing a lot more offense from him because he's certainly not going to be a shutdown defender. Um, you know, you want to see the skating explosion, 
getting those shots through from the point. He knows his way around the power play. You're going to want to see more even strength production from him down the stretch if he's going to get himself a look at a North American contract from the Sabres. With that said, we are cruising along here, going at a good pace, and that's good because I don't have a ton more to get to. But I do want to move us over to a quick farm update, hit on a couple Russians as well as a non-Russian down on the farm in Rochester, and just wanted to talk briefly about big defenseman Nikita Novikov. 28 games into his North American rookie season. Novikov looks good, man. Um, it's a rotation to get in the lineup for him. He'll play a bunch of games and he'll sit for one, then he'll get back in. It's not disciplinary. It's just Seth Appert, I believe, managing the bodies that go in and out of the lineup on a nightly basis. So Novikov right now currently co-leads the Amherst with a plus six rating this year. He's actually the, the active leader right now because he was tied with Damian Giroux. That forward was sent to Jacksonville of the Coast League just yesterday. So that leaves Novikov as the active leader with the plus six. Started hot this season with five assists in his first six games. Novikov, by virtue of that hot start, is currently tied for second among all Amherst defenders with 11 total helpers this season. But, man, he's been jumping up into the play regularly deep in the zone, oftentimes beneath the offensive zone goal line, working behind the net. Very responsible once he moves the puck off his stick to get back to his post to get the man covering for him to rotate back down. But I like the look of his game. This is a prospect that Sabres fans saw over the summer at development camp and stood out in the three on three scrimmage by, you know, a big guy that moves well. He was attacking the play there in the three on three, as you would expect. But then you saw it somewhat too at the prospects challenge when he was out there doing his thing. Um, taking what was given to him, jumping into the play. And we talked about him a lot early in the season. He and Ryan Johnson were the young guys down there on the farm. They were doing their job, helping the, the Amherst play fast and moving the puck quickly, getting it on their stick, head up, scanning, skating it out, or at least passing it out of the zone quickly. Novikov, though, very noticeable every time he's out there on the ice. Been mostly in a bottom pair role when he does get into a lineup. Digging into Novikov, at least, um, you know, watched a lot of the games, but really understanding the pattern of who he's been paired with, there's no stability. There's no comfort that you're given having a regular defensive partner in the Amherst this season. So I wrote this down. I want to review this with you. So they had their game on Wednesday. It was a 6-0 win against Lehigh Valley. He was paired with Zach Metza. The two games before that, Novikov was paired with Kale Clegg. Two games before spending some time with Clegg, he was with Metza. Two games before those games with Metza, he had a three-game stint with Joseph Ciccone. And then before that, he had two games with Jacob Bryson. Jacob Bryson since recalled up to Buffalo. Before he did the couple games with Bryson, he did two games with Nico Savoie. And then two games before that, he spent some time, two games, with Chris Jandrick. Jandrick, mostly in the Coast League this year, recently dealt to Laval. Um, so that that's a partner that he won't have moving forward. But he had one, two, three, four, five, six different defensive partners in a, the last month or so. And um, pretty wild how they've been rotating guys in and out and switching up the pairs. Again, it's um, it, it keeps you from getting too comfortable with one guy. I love that Seth Appert's doing that. It's also wild um, that he's pulling that off. 
and Novikov succeeding in the capacity that he is. So great to see the young player um, jumping right in, getting acclimated to a new system, new culture, and six new partners in the span of a month. It's really, really something uh, that you don't see too often in the world of hockey anyways. So another note from down on the farm, just wanted to follow up real quick. Did a little um, item on the last podcast about Victor Noichev and how he's kind of getting more comfortable as well here a couple months into his North American rookie season. And he's kept going. So Noichev had a goal and an assist late in that Wednesday victory over Lehigh Valley to extend his point streak to five games. So Noichev's a guy, he has 12 points in 26 games this season, but eight of those have come in his last eight games. So mentioned it. It was kind of good timing that we talked about it when we did. Uh, I guess it was, what, 12 days ago, the last podcast, because he just kind of kept going. The difference is is um, that goal and assist that he had against Lehigh Valley was with a new set of line mates. He was down the lineup now. You know, they got Kulik back. Jost is firmly in there. Um, just moving some things around. Noichev is now on, at least on paper, it's their fourth line, where he's playing left wing. Tyson Kozak's playing center. And Alexander Kizikov is on the right wing. So shots on goal, which we talked about, are still there. The production's still coming. It's great to see because if Noichev and Kozak are down there producing on the bottom line, they're still getting production from the, the usual suspects in the Amherst lineup. That's a good thing for Seth, Seth Appert to have all four lines going. And those young guys there at the bottom of the lineup sheet are doing their part. So I mentioned Kozak. and. Um, we love our grunt workers. I'm going to throw up the Noichev and Kozak goals from that Lehigh Valley game here on the screen for those watching on YouTube. But um, we love Kozak. We've talked about him as kind of a two-way defensive forward. And I wanted to call out Kozak because I like um, you know, the way that he scored his goal on Wednesday against Lehigh Valley. You know, this is a player, if you go back to when he was with the Portland Winterhawks, he was always out there. Uh, guarding the opposition's top line. Now he put up some nice points at the junior level. I think professionally, you want to see him get his share of points, but it's not going to be his primary responsibility. He's going to be that checking line centerman and came out in that game against Lehigh Valley on Wednesday on that line with Kizikov and Noichev scored a really nice goal. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here for those watching on YouTube. So I'll describe it for those listening audio only. Puck's going to come to Kozak. He's going to kind of get control of it at the blue line, skate right down the slot, have a guy draped on his back, get it to his forehand and score the goal with 242 left in the third period to put the Amherst up 5-0. Hardworking goal, something that you want to call it out when you see it because that's going to be kind of how Kozak's going to score. He's always in on the forecheck, moving his feet, likes to hit. He has really good back-checking routes. But you like to see a player like this get rewarded with a goal, especially a hard-working goal like the one we saw from him on Wednesday. So, again, just wanted to shout it out. He has a lot of developing to do still if he's going to get himself in position to take that next step to challenge for a job at the NHL level. But really like to see um, him make plays like that and contribute to the team. He's been in and out of lineup, had some injuries this year. So you want to see him get going as well. And hopefully being out there with some skill players and Noichev and Kizikov will help unlock 
some of that offense that he has to give. And um, that's that on the farm. So I think that's it there. Just a couple quick notes before we end this week's podcast. Um, some of that log jam that's existed all year down on the farm was eased a week ago when Kevin Adams traded Philip Cedarquist's NHL contract to the Montreal Canadiens for the purpose of really helping the Canadiens AHL affiliate in Laval uh, manage through a lot of injuries that they were having. So I mentioned that they sent uh, the AHL contract in Jandrick to Laval. Uh, they also sent Cedarquist there. Now, it wasn't just a charity move. I think this was also um, Kevin Adams giving Cedarquist an opportunity simply and get more clarity uh, what his North American future might look like. There have been whispers coming out of the Swedish press in recent weeks that Cedarquist was considering a move back to the SHL next season, potentially with Fralunda. And um, so this move to Laval will give Cedarquist the opportunity to play more than he was in Rochester. He was kind of down on the lower lines when he was getting in the lineup. And, you know, we appreciated Cedarquist here. I mean, I liked him. I mean, he was given opportunity at the Prospects Challenge. If you recall, he had a featured role on that line with Savoy and Benson. But, you know, he wasn't going to get that same type of featured role in Rochester. And it wasn't just the guys in Rochester that he was competing against. Even moving forward, if he was going to stay in the organization, stay in North America, there's going to be a steady influx of more dynamic, offensive-minded forward prospects coming in. Just a lot of bodies for Cedarquist to cut through. So he gets moved, um, earned an, a couple decent bucks here over the past couple of seasons with signing bonus money and his AHL salary. I think he can certainly afford to make a good chunk of change if he was to go back to the Swedish Hockey League. But like I said, I think that getting this fresh start and finishing out this season where he's going to have opportunity to play will give him clarity. Big body, 6'3", 200 plus pounds, power forward, just a mule beneath the goal line, gets things downhill when he gets the puck around the net. Appreciated the effort, but just a numbers game that he was a victim of here in Buffalo. A couple other quick notes on player movement coming out of the holiday break. Joel Redkovich Bernson um, has started the season with FPS in Finland's second division with Mestis. He had four goals and 11 points in 22 games there. Went home for the holidays. I think he decided to stay home for the holidays because he has since joined uh, Kristianstad of Sweden's third division. Um, where he had now has three assists in his first four games. So he goes from Finland's second division to Sweden's third division. This is a player very skilled offensively, has some runway still ahead of him over the next couple of seasons to see if he can get back into hockey Alsvenskan next season, or maybe even the SHL. Has a lot of tools, just needs to find himself an opportunity as a 20-year-old. And uh, needless to say, he's going to have to do it right now in Finland's, or excuse me, Sweden's third division. And then lastly, Sean Cohane, the Harvard commit, who was with the USHL's Tri-City Storm to start the season, he elected to head west and get himself more playing time coming out of the holidays with a move to the BCHL. So he has joined the West Kelowna Warriors. West Kelowna is uh, near the top of their division in the BCHL standings. Cohane has one assist in his first four games out West, but more importantly, he's getting regular playing time that he wasn't getting in Tri-City. So that can only help his development as he gets ready to make the move to Harvard next season in the ECAC. That's it. 
I went over 30 minutes. I wasn't supposed to. Dang it. I apologize for that. I really thought this would be like 20, 25 minutes, but I, I can't shut up. I don't know what to tell you. I apologize for that. Anyways, again, if you could, please leave a five-star rating for the Prospect Avenue podcast. Like this video. It really helps. Appreciate all the support as always. And I'm looking forward to seeing you here on Prospect Avenue next time.